It's green and growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. Good Saturday morning, 68 degrees on Peachtree Street in Midtown Atlanta. I'm Ashley Frasca with you here to host Green and Growing. We're in the last weekend of September and it's a Bulldog Saturday. I am so glad for that. That really means it's fall. My pumpkin beer is in stock at the grocery stores and that's a very seasonal thing. So we're in fall and this could be a gardener's favorite time of year because there's a lot of rejuvenation and a lot of new projects you can do this time of year. Fall is really the time to be thinking about settling the grass down, getting things right, planting new trees and shrubs. Fall is the best time for those to establish. And a lot of you called in the summertime wanting to plant fruit trees because it was on your mind. You're seeing stuff at the farmer's market. You're seeing your neighbors and they've got fruit that they're sharing with you. And you think, well, I want one. So I kind of told you to hold off if you could not in the, the dire heat of summertime, but fall is really a much better time to install new trees like that. That gives them an opportunity to not be heat stressed, settle into the soil. The temperatures are about right. Not only the soil temperature, the air temperature as well. So we love fall. It's one of our favorites. And because it's a change in season, I was kind of ready to Take your temperature on things and how the show's been going and what kind of things you've learned from the show. And I'm really glad I did this. So I posted on the Facebook page yesterday um, what kind of things, topics, suggestions, maybe feature ideas. You want more caller questions. I mean, I like the way the show is going, but I always want to make sure that you're getting just the basic garden knowledge that you are looking for, that we're learning together. I'm not going over your head with some of the guests and some of the content that I have, and I love learning from all of you. So it always really delights me when one of you calls, not with a question, but just with something to share. We can all learn from that, even if it's a mistake, if you made a mistake. Um, Share that with us so other gardeners don't make the same mistakes. But a lot of you had really good comments to that. Um, Michael was saying, you know, just detailed recommendations about pre-emergence. You know, that's so important right now, especially with a fescue lawn And Bermuda, you want to control the winter weeds that are going to pop up and that dormant grass. You know, you don't want the neighbors to just see these bright green weeds everywhere. Um, More calls, handling more calls because we learn from each other's mistakes. Uh, Susan, she made a great point. Just hearing from gardeners who've played in the dirt for maybe 40 years and hearing their wisdom and their mistakes. And we all start off with wanting every plant available only just to become discouraged and discerned, wasting our time and energy and money if we do something wrong. So that's a really good one, too. And also maybe spotlighting different kinds of companies and having them on and letting them know what's available in the metro Atlanta area, if it's a service maybe you need. I like that. Winter gardening, Marlo, we're definitely going to talk about that. Winter flower gardening, bulbs and containers, Uh, perennials, which we're still enjoying so many of the summer perennials right now. They're going to keep their color for about another month or so. Mickey Gasway is going to join me next Saturday. I'm looking at my calendar, October 3rd. Yep, next Saturday. And she is one of the the, the most passionate gardeners I know, but she's willing to take chances. She's willing to give every plant out there a chance in her landscape. She's going to try it once, and if it fails, then she can say she tried it and she learned something 
And if it succeeds, it's something that she's really proud of and babies and nurtures and takes care of. So I really want to pick her brain about Marla's question, just winter flowering garden and maybe more ideas for those, you know, thrillers, spillers and fillers type thing. If you're doing container gardening, if that's something you want on the deck, on the patio, on the balcony, on the front porch. And when I think of fall color, I'm finally kind of broadening my canvas a little bit there, but mums are still just one of the 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 only things I think of for fall color, you know, a decorative when you think of something on someone's front stoop. And I want to be able to think of and recommend to you more varieties and things like that. Um, Alan wants to hear more about food gardening. So, of course, we're in the, the spot, the time of year, where we're thinking about our cool season vegetables. A lot of you may already have them in, which is really exciting. If you're going to watch your broccoli grow, try carrots, garlic. And this is something Jason and I talked about a couple weeks ago, <laughs> starting that one clove of garlic and not getting it until like April. But I'm going to do it. <laughs> I'm going to try to remember that it's in the pot um, and just keep up with that. And Brenda, refreshers on what to do with caladiums and thinking about overwintering things and also bringing houseplants indoors. So one of my um, features in the show is that top three things to be doing. And I've recently talked about houseplants and how you're preparing them, getting them ready to come inside. And that is something good to be thinking about. So we'll definitely visit that. I'll touch on that here a little bit later in this hour. And as far as overwintering caladiums, Brenda, I did it last year and it was unsuccessful. Um, So if anybody has advice on how to do that, I've got a beautiful one in a pot right now on the front stoop and I'd love to keep it. But sometimes you just don't know if it's worth it. it. It may be better just next summer to go out and buy another one. And one more, one more. Christina wanted to know the best perennials for North and Middle Georgia and which plants to never use in the landscape. That's actually really cool. You know, a list of, and Mickey Gasway could probably help with that too. Invasive species, things that we, you know, like wisteria that, that we think we want to plant and then it goes crazy. And there's two varieties of wisteria. So you got to make sure you you do the the one that doesn't just go nuts. Um, and herbs to plant for medicinal teas and things. That's interesting. Christina brought that up because... Um, I was at the Dunwoody Nature Center yesterday, and I was speaking to the Spalding Garden Club, which was so much fun. Those ladies were delightful. They were great. It was about 25 gardeners who were really active and involved in the Dunwoody community, beautifying things at the Dunwoody Nature Center. You know, they have philanthropic uh, missions as, as part of their group. And I also met Michael Cowan, who is there at the Dunwoody Nature Center, and he made me aware of some adult seminars that they're starting to offer And one, I believe, yesterday was about edible things and growing stuff in the garden for medicinal purposes. You know, maybe what like ginkgo and things like that. I don't know. Things that you could you could really have like, you know, health benefits to. So that was cool and timely that Christina brought that up. And I I did not attend that seminar. But you've got to be thinking of stuff like that when you want to you know, expand your garden knowledge outside of a master gardener program, which is probably the number one thing I would recommend you do is get involved in the master gardener program with your local county extension agency. And some of them pair up maybe for the smaller counties or the less populated counties, they'll pair with another one and offer master gardener classes. And they're only offered generally one time a year. And it could be, you know, a multi-week, 10, 12-week course that you need to go through, but it just, you you have to hit it at the right time of year. And for so many years, I wasn't able to do it because the times were such that I was still always here uh, producing the Herman Cain show. So I couldn't get away and dip out of work to go do that. And then this year I started it in Cherokee County 
and COVID hit. And so a lot of that got canceled. I think I made it with, through one class before everything got canceled. But in times like this, too, when we're not able to, to carry, carry on with education like we are used to, there are online seminars, too. And I actually did a lot of those this summer, webinars that you just log on to. And it could have been someone speaking from Clemson University, could have been someone speaking from Wisconsin. And they're you know, gearing their information towards a Georgia audience. And hundreds of people would log on and watch this. And you would watch this expert. They would have a PowerPoint presentation. That's really neat. So doing online webinars like that, they're free. A lot of times they're free. You just have to know where to look. Master Gardener programs and places like the Dunwoody Nature Center, you know, local places in your community like that that have community involvement and engagement and programs that you can attend. So it's definitely worth a look. And if you want a couple more resources, you can certainly reach out to me because I know of a few now. I've definitely been at this for about a year trying to educate myself. So reach out to me on the Facebook page. And that's where I was telling you all those comments were coming from, all these great ideas for show content from you, from the listeners. Uh, go to Facebook and search Green and Growing WSB, and there's the page. And last night, I actually posted something kind of fun. I did this in the spring, too, and it was timely to do it again in the fall. Um, and I can't find it now. Oh, there it is. So, you know, trees produce seed and seed pods and husks and all of that. It's a tree's way of reproducing, right? So in the spring, we see all these weird things dropping out of trees that we don't know. What tree does that go to? What is that? That's not a leaf. You know, it's something else. So I identify what tree these things are coming from. And now in the fall, you've got the same type thing. You've got, well, a sweet gums, like that was something in the spring. But, you know, a sweet gum ball, that little brown spiky ball, that was in the spring that I wanted you, you know what this is, but what tree is it coming off of? So for fall, I did the same thing. I picked four things that I've just seen on the ground, and I know they fell out of trees, took pictures, and I'm just playing a game with, with you all. Let's see if we can identify the trees they come from. And we've had some really, really good guesses. And I'm going to put the answers up later, but go check that out too. Green and Growing WSB on Facebook. I try to do engaging, interesting stuff like that so we can learn together. 404-872-0750 is the number here on Green and Growing, hoping to take your calls throughout the show. And Walter Reeves is coming up at the bottom of the hour. He hosted the Lawn and Garden Show for 26 years. So I would be remiss if we did not have him on every single week to teach us something. And we're going to do a two-part conversation. He and I want to talk about caterpillars, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And there are some ugly so today we're going to start with venomous caterpillars. I know he's recently written an article on on one that many of you may have seen. And then next week, just fall caterpillars, just the guys that aren't venomous, they're not harmful. We really need those in our landscape. So I don't think we're going to really lean in the direction of treating them and killing them. But we really want to give those caterpillars a chance to, to turn into butterflies, to turn into moths, to turn into those things we need in the landscape. So that's going to be interesting if you've ever wondered what caterpillar is maybe harmful? Walter's going to set us straight here in about 10 minutes. And then Celebrity Gardener coming up at the top of the hour at 7 o'clock. Lauren Smith from the University of Georgia broadcast team and Bulldogs football. I'm going to be able to catch up with him very briefly. He's already in Arkansas with the team, but just to tell us some of his best gardening memories. And then, of course, what to expect when the Bulldogs face the Razorbacks at 4 o'clock. And you can hear the whole game right here on 95.5 WSB. So excited. We're going to take a break coming up on 619. Check traffic and weather and we'll be back to green and growing. All 
All right, here we are. We're back in a time for a weather update. I know you want to know how to plan your weekend. I think the rain is behind us, at least for right now. That's a relief because (laughs) doing traffic during the week, like I woke up both Thursday and yesterday morning, and when it's already raining at 3 a.m., I'm like, oh, today's going to be a bad day in traffic. So today was beautiful, though. We're going to have a high of around 82, great football weather, a low of around 64, 90% humidity, though, no chance for rain, really, 10% chance tomorrow, eh, no, 30% chance tomorrow, I read that wrong, mix of sun and clouds, stray afternoon thunder shower is possible, but not likely, warm and humid again, a high of around 81 tomorrow, a low of 67. Green and Growing with Ashley Frasca. Here's your garden to-do list this week. So this is what I was alluding to just a little bit ago, talking about um, overwintering houseplants. And we've had them outside, and they've been really happy. They've put on new growth. They've just been beautiful in our living spaces outdoors. But it is time to start thinking about bringing those indoors. So right now, you want to start watching those patio pots just for insects, see what they've got if you intend to bring them in the house or the greenhouse over the winter. So it's easier to control those pests while the plants are still outdoors, okay? You want to go ahead and just get all the bugs off, then bring them in. Uh, Janet messaged me and asked about preventing whitefly before bringing in her hibiscus. So this was a smart thing to be thinking about. So wash the house plants down. You can use soapy water if you want in a spray bottle. You can just hose them down. A lot of the whiteflies and mites and things like that will just be brushed off, you know, generally with with water like that. Let the houseplant dry out. And then you can use neem oil or just a systemic insecticide, if you would prefer to go that way, something that contains imidacloprid. So like BioAdvanced has a rose and flower insect killer, and Bonide has a really good houseplant product that fights against insects. Use those and then just treat the houseplant outside, especially if you're going to do like a spray like that or a systemic something. Do that outside, let it dry out, move it indoors. Okay, so number two, prune dead or damaged branches from trees now before they start losing their leaves. And that also keeps you safer during severe weather. We had a dead pine tree fall on our back fence with all the heavy uh, rains uh, Thursday a week ago. And so that got me thinking, okay, we need to really start looking up, right? Notice the health of our trees. Look out for any dead limbs that may fall and damage something outside or hit you in the head. You don't want that to happen. And uh, I had a question yesterday at the Spalding Garden Club about like some of, some of the dead limbs in a Yoshino cherry. Now is a fine time to kind of prune some of that stuff out. And number three, this is something Walter and I will both be doing here in the next few days. Dig up holiday amaryllis that you may have planted outside. You know you could keep those, those beautiful bright red, white, pink flowers at Christmas time. You could have kept those after Christmas Put them out in the spring. That's where four of mine have been. We'll dig them up now. Cut the foliage back first, though. That's okay to do that. Then just gently dig them out and let the bulb dry for two months. So really, what are we, at the end of September? Like, yeah, I mean, it's at least until the end of November, very close. And then plant it in a potted, you know, pot with soil. Place it in a warm, sunny window. And then just keep your fingers crossed that that thing's going to bloom close to Christmas maybe a week or two after, but that'll still be enjoyable. And you can also dig up your canna lilies, dahlias, elephant ears if you see the need. Um, I generally leave my elephant ears out, but, you know, if they're new, you might want to dig them up. But if they're established, I just cover them over with pine straw and they overwinter just fine. I'm going to be talking to Linda and Cumming about caladiums, Bob and Marietta about coleus, and hopefully you. Give us a call, 404-872-0750. This is Green and Growing on WSB.
Growing with Ashley Frasca. Plants, flowers, trees, and stuff. Brought to you by Pike Nurseries. On 95.5 WSB. Welcome back to Green and Growing here on 95.5 WSB. Really happy to be here with you this Saturday. Ashley Frasca and I'm ready for a Bulldog Saturday. You heard Robin mention it. You've heard commercials all week. Kickoff or or the tailgate, the pregame is at noon right here. And the game against the Arkansas Razorbacks. Woohoo! That's at 4 o'clock in Arkansas. And what was really cool, I don't know Arkansas's head coach's name. He's new. Uh, But he and Kirby Smart were both on Good Morning America yesterday and two of the Good Morning America anchors, Amy Robach, of course, is a Georgia Bulldog, and the other guy is an Arkansas uh, alum. So they actually each interviewed the respective coaches, and it was cool, and they made bets about, all right, if my team wins, you got to wear the other team's clothing and, and that kind of thing. So maybe you have a rivalry this weekend. It's so much fun. Can't wait. Uh, another Georgia Bulldog, along with myself, Walter Reeves, is here to share his advice. Walter's Wondering. Walter's Wondering. The definitive questions and answers from WSB's OG garden guru, Walter Reeves. Here he is, as he is every Saturday, and I'm so grateful that Walter Reeves joins me at this time, every Saturday morning, live during Green and Growing, to help myself, to help you, and just to get that knowledge out of his head and on the air so that we all have it. <laughs> so thank you. I don't have anything for... left after a while. <laughs> it's just like a data, a data dump. There's so much. you got to get rid of some of it. Well, we appreciate you coming on. And uh, sometimes you pick the topic. Sometimes I do. Just what people have been seeing or asking about. And when you see yeah. a trend, you're kind of like, eh, that's going to be good for Walter Wonders for the show. I reference your website a lot. So WalterReeves.com. And the first picture that greets me in your rotating headlines, Walter, I lose sleep at night because this is so (laughs) disturbing, this little guy. A venomous caterpillar, and he's kind of brown, and it looks like he has a green shirt on, like a little green saddle or something on it. Yeah, it's a brown saddle on a green shirt, I think. Yes, and so he is venomous, and there are some others, too, that you want to warn folks about. Let's start with him. Why is he so important? No one forgets their first encounter with a saddleback caterpillar. It is, it is seared in your brain that oh. you're just walking innocently along and you brush against a tree leaf or you're working in the garden, pulling weeds, and all of a sudden your ear turns to fire oh. or your hand turns to fire. And you say, what the heck bit me? And you look around and on the leaf of the tree or on the leaf of the canna lily, there is a little tiny saddleback caterpillar. And as you said, a green with a brown saddle on the back. They have sort of a, what do you call it, horns, little tufty horns, hairy horns on the ends ends of the caterpillar. Man, they are distinctive, and the pain of the venom as it scratches your skin is like being set on fire. Woo, so you obviously speak from personal experience here. Oh, do I? One of my (laughs) first memories is my Uncle Gray, who brushed against a leaf of a pear tree in our backyard one time when he was visiting. And he came in just sort of batting his ear, and I thought, well, that's funny. Oh, he's batting his ear, looking like he's distressed. And sure enough, he had the saddleback caterpillar had was on that leaf who we went and found later. And we put vinegar and salt and baking soda and all sorts of home remedies on it. I don't, know, I don't know if any of them worked, but I know that he certainly will not forget that encounter. I've had him the same way. I brushed against a redbud tree 15 years ago now. I don't forget that. If it was yesterday, wow. it was a bad thing. It Did, hurt. And you didn't see it coming? You just brushed up against the no, tree and you didn't no, know he was there? No, little bitty thing, so you don't see the saddleback until you touched him. 
the touching is what tells you if you've got one. Oh, boy. I, I can't get the image out of my head. You were on a couple of Saturdays ago, and we were talking about fire ants. And I asked, yeah. same thing, if you'd ever had an encounter with fire ants, and you said you yanked your pants off. It was so bad. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> you remember that. You know, I do. I don't care who's around me. I'm taking my pants <laughs> off right now because they're full of ants. Oh, gosh. All right. So would you say, is he the most common or maybe one of the most venomous that we need to look out for? I think most common would be the word because there are others that are actually more venomous than the Sazerac, but are less common. But they're all very, very good at camouflage. Like the Sazerac is green, so you don't see it against the leaves when you're working. But there's another one called a puss caterpillar, P-U-S-S. And the puss caterpillar looks just like a little tuft of cat hair. A mm. little tuft of cat hair, about a half an inch wide and maybe an inch or two long. And you reach in and touch it because you think, that's a soft thing that stuck to my leaves here in my garden. And again, you touch it and you think, wow, my finger's on fire. Wow, <laughs> go do something about this. <laughs> Put some ice on it. Puss caterpillar is very, very um, painful, but you don't see that many of them. Occasionally, people notice them and send me pictures of them. The IO and the, what's the more things in there? There's a couple more uh, tussock moss. Some, some people react to tussock moss not as a, as a venom, just to get allergic to the spines, to the little hairs on the tussock moth, too. Yeah, I had and a all Fran. Common, but not terrible. Fran sent me a message on Facebook about a week back and just said, good or bad bug. And it is a picture uh-huh. of that banded tussock moth oh, caterpillar. Yeah. And uh-huh. it's like a, like a light brown, but it's funny. He's got like black skinny tassels coming out from uh-huh. from his head and from his rear. Little tussocks. So, yeah, so not uh, venomous necessarily, just may cause some kind of skin irritation. Yeah, yeah. I've held them myself and not had any reaction at all. Held them in my hand when I didn't know better. And no reaction for me at all, but I would not recommend anybody else to pick them up because you could have a reaction to them. <laughs> you don't know until you do. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. And you know, the other thing, actually, even though we have insecticides and things that will kill caterpillars, these things are so uncommon, really, in the big scheme of things. I don't think I would do anything about it. If you, even if you touched one and got hurt badly by a satellite caterpillar, what are you going to do? Are you going to spray your whole garden with insecticides just to kill two or three or four that might be out there? No. It doesn't seem to me a good idea to try to do that. Just keep, keep your eyes peeled. Know that in the fall is a big time for the venomous caterpillars to be around and don't and maybe wear gloves. And that's about all you can do. Honestly, I think nine times out of ten, it's probably smart to wear garden gloves no matter what you're working on because whether yeah. it's a an ant, a caterpillar, there may be poison ivy. And I've heard horror stories, yeah. Walter. Now, this is rare, but it is something that a lot of gardeners have probably seen on news sites and social media sites, the rare occasion that there's some terrible bacteria in the soil that you're working uh-huh. with. And if you're not properly prote- protected, that could almost be fatal. That's extreme. But Yeah, there's a disease called aspergillosis. Yeah. Aspergillosis is just that. You inhale the fungus from the soil, and many soils have aspergillus uh, fungus in the soil. Not uncommon at all. But if you get it into your lungs and it infects a certain place and gets vir- gets a established in your lungs, then aspergillosis can be a lifelong problem for your lung function. Wow, that's terrifying. So yes, garden gloves, always a good idea. And protective clothing. When you're opening a big bag of of soil soil conditioner or mulch or something like that, don't breathe the dust that comes out of that bag. Just try to do it on a breezy day or do it in a way so you don't breathe the dust because that's where the aspergillus fungus is developing. It's on soil that has not been disturbed for a while. 
Thank you for that. So don't open it in the garage or the shed in an enclosed right. area either. Right, right. Well, Walter, is that a is that pretty much the the hit list of the venomous caterpillars that we need to be on the lookout for? I'm touching my ear right now, <laughs> right now. Thinking that was where that dang thing oh. hit me right there on my ear, and it burned. No Good kidding. Lord! I came in the house and said, "Give me some ice. Do something. <laughs> it hurts." No. So that's about all you can do. Grin and bear it. Know what you have, and know recognize when you see it. The saddleback caterpillar, as you said. First picture on my website, a big green and brown saddleback caterpillar. Look at it and know what it is. Well, how about next Saturday? I'm already planning ahead to October 3rd. You and I can talk about more common fall caterpillars, things that are visible and not necessarily venomous this time of year, maybe how to combat those. That is a great idea because they are all over the place, non-venomous caterpillars. And I will wait for next Saturday to tell you what their favorite hobby is. The favorite hobby of non-venomous caterpillars is something. We'll talk about it next week. What a tease. What a tease. Right. So you have to tune back to this very station at this very time next Saturday <laughs> to hear more from Walter. Well, hey, thanks so much, buddy. We'll talk to you then. Talk to you next week. And I think I may know what that habit is, but yeah, you'll just have to stay tuned. And also, um, I posted a picture just now as Walter and I were talking on the Facebook page, search green and growing WSB of that saddleback caterpillar. Maybe you've seen it and had no idea what it was, but I posted a picture just so you would know. And if you go back a few days, I did a post two days ago about a caterpillar that I saw camping in North Carolina, didn't know what it was. And Joseph came to the rescue and told me what kind of moth it may become. And I am keeping a close eye on that guy. Uh, He built a little cocoon in the part of our camper kind of thing. So I had to bring it home so that I didn't abandon him. And I don't think he's come out yet. So I'm really excited to see what kind of moth he's going to turn out to be. But that's the kind of caterpillars we'll certainly be talking about next Saturday with Walter. Thanks, Walter. 404-872-0750. Linda incoming, calling from Forsyth County this morning. Hey there. Good morning. How are you? Doing real well. How are you? Well, thank you. So I think you may have had a comment. I was kind of asking for people who have been successful overwintering caladiums. Might you be that lady? Well, (laughs) well, I'm sure I'm not the only one, but I am thrilled to know that I can do that because sometimes you buy a caladium and it's just so beautiful and the next year you can't find it again. And I read somewhere, someone smart like you or Walter, who wrote a column someday, one day, uh, and what I do is I have a massive pot of them in the backyard, mm-hmm. and about the time they lay their heads down and give up the ghost, you know, turn a little brown, I just gently lift them out of that soil, and they look ugly. It's just a big brown lump with right. some dried leaves attached to it. Put it in just something loose, just a container, not packed in with anything, just loose and separate in a garage, in a basement, somewhere so they won't freeze during the winter. And they stay there, all dried like that, until um, I about March 1st, I mark my calendar, I get them out. Wow. And I, I have a very shallow, it's a bonsai, it's an old bonsai dish, a real shallow dish. Mm-hmm. I literally, by this time, all the foliage has dropped off, of course. It's just a little bulb. Some of those bulbs dry into this tiny thing, and you think, well, that wouldn't produce anything. Right, but it it's does. small, yeah. Some are tiny. Anything that has any substance, and it's still, you know, solid, Stand up, just like a little Indian, just stand them up, and then gently sprinkle soil around them. So it's just an inch or two of soil, and they're all tight. They're just shoulder to shoulder standing there. I put saran wrap over it. Just 
saran wrap over it. I think I uh, slightly water it, but, but just a, a little bit of moisture. This is saran when you're when you're putting it. it in the ground, right? In March? No, no, in this in this bonsai in this bonsai. Oh, this is while you're storing it. Okay. Yes. Um, so so they do nothing all winter. They do nothing, but March first put them in this dish with a little bit of soil, saran wrap over, and sit it on. If you if you have a true gardening hot um, heating pad, use that. Or if you're like me and you just have the old-fashioned heating pad, turn it on the lowest oh. setting you have. I, my dryer is a good place to put it. And on this low setting, it sits there for hmm, close to a month, close to a month. Wow. And the warm soil, warmish, warmish soil, and the moisture that's created just by having the saran wrap over it mm-hmm. is, is like South Florida. Amazing. It thinks it's in South Florida. And when that first little point, that green point comes uh-huh. up on every single one of them, when they're all up with little green points, which turns out to be April, maybe first week in April, mm-hmm. take them back to the garden, put them back in a pot, and every year, every year, they're up again. The reason I love to do this is when we travel, we would buy caladium here or there, and then when it blooms again, I remember, oh, that's from St. Augustine. That's from, and you can remember the caladium, attach it to the trip, and it, you just get to relive it every single year. That and is it's great. It's always successful. Yeah, and it's <laughs> and it's definitely worth your time and effort too. It feels so neglectful to keep bulbs like that, you know, in the garage or in a storage space, and you think there's a plant I'm not watering. How does it live? How does it survive? But that's exactly right, Linda. And what I may have done wrong last year, I put them in a brown paper bag, and I just don't think that was good. And I think the garage was a little cooler than it needed to be. So when you're overwintering stuff like this, or canna lilies, or elephant ears, or something like that, do like a tub or a container, like Linda said. And you can even use dry perlite. Buy a bag of perlite and sprinkle that over it. That just keeps everything dry, and you know it doesn't just get too moist and start to rot. Um, And also maybe a little bit warmer spot rather than just a cold, cold garage. And Linda, I love that you give it a little kickstart in March and kind of get it going before you put it in the ground in April or May. That is great. Thank you so much. Those are the kinds of calls I'm talking about, folks, that we learn a lot. We learn from each other's successes. So, Linda, I appreciate the time you took to call and share that. Bob and Marietta, you're up next. We're going to take a quick break, check traffic and weather. You're listening to 95.5 WSB. We're on the lookout for sunrise today around 7.29, sunset at 7.28 p.m. So you notice the days are gradually getting a little shorter. That's right at 12 hours of daylight. Well, the weather today brought to you by Finley Roofing. 82 degrees later on, 64 is the low, partly cloudy. And then tomorrow, rain chance increases to 30%. Thunder shower possible, but not likely in most areas. Warm and humid, high of around 81 and low of around 67. Coming up, we're going to be talking to Bulldog great Lauren Smith of the University of Georgia broadcast team. You've heard him for years and years as a broadcaster, a sideline reporter, and I thought that would be fitting for Celebrity Gardener this week considering he is with the team in Arkansas ready to take on those Razorbacks at 4 o'clock today, so he's going to take a little time aside and talk to us just about what he knows about gardening in Athens. Athens is such a hot spot 
for gardening and we've got the botanical gardens out there. If any of you have ever been fortunate enough to see Vince Dooley and Barbara Dooley's gardens, there's all kinds of things. And I want to get a little more into lawn care and turf management. I know we talked a lot about it last week with Clint Waltz and with Walter, but there's more to be said as far as if you're learning your grass, what you've got, how to maintain it. And I've got an interesting tidbit, some bragging rights from the University of Georgia on what they've done with Bermuda grass that has gone international. So stay tuned. All of that coming up in the 7 o'clock hour and your calls as well. 404-872-0750. Give me a like on the Facebook page. We're having conversations off the air there on Facebook. Search Green and Growing WSB. We'll be right back. I'm Ashley Frasca. Stay tuned. For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.